everyone, and welcome back to the Van Maren Show on LifesightNews.com. We've been talking about the issue of pornography on this podcast quite a bit lately, uh, primarily because it's one of the issues that I think is the most important facing uh, marriages, facing families, facing church communities, and so I will continue to talk about it consistently as long as it poses such an enormous threat to all the things that we hold dear. We talked recently to Rhonda Haas of Covenant Eyes. I recently did a monologue on, on some encouraging news in which I, th- I think the porn debate is actually turning in our direction. But there's some new uh, information that's just been released on Pornhub, which is the world's largest porn monopoly. And to discuss that, uh, I'm going to be having a conversation with Josh Gilman. Josh Gilman's been speaking to parents and youth about the harms of exploitative content since 2015. It was by sharing his own story of pain and redemption that doors were open in every kind of setting to speak to those who are both hurting and those who care about protecting the next generation. And I've been uh, able to work with Josh quite a bit over the years. A speechwriter and a broadcaster by trade, his dream is for his own daughters and sons to grow up in a world where the truth about the value of every child is understood. As the co-founder of Canadian-based anti-exploitation organization Strength to Fight, he often spoke to youth about the fact that nothing they could ever do would change their value. And he's also been the author of a children's book called The King's Daughter that you can see at thekingsdaughter.ca. That book has been endorsed by people like Kristen Jeston and, and, and Sam Albury. And so, without further introduction, here is my conversation about the latest developments in the Pornhub scandals with Josh Gilman. All right, Josh, um, let's just jump right into it. There's some more big news about Pornhub once again. Maybe start off by giving us the rundown. Uh, Well, I mean, most people know about the, I mean, who care about this issue, have been following the Trafficking Hub um, campaign against Pornhub. Um, and, and it is really important to remind people that Pornhub, uh, it's been targeted in this way because it's the most recognizable name um, and maybe the most socially acceptable name. Um, but it is by no means uh, unique and also by far not the worst. Right. So, so when we talk about the horrible things going on with Pornhub, uh, we are not going straight to the worst of the worst. I would guess this is purely a guess anecdotally, but I would I would guess that it was still one of the better sites in terms of the amount of horrific, awful, illegal content. Um, Which, considering the least, fact that like like torture and degradation was on their front page, is really saying something about the industry. Yeah, right. So they were one of the ones, one of the few ones that were trying to at least. Um, put a veneer on the front and make it look like there wasn't uh, who were trying to kind of have a bit of this socially acceptable image um, and not just hide in the CD underground. And so um, anybody who has ever clicked on porn, um, I'm guessing few people only ever were on Pornhub. <laughs> um, that's just the nature of, of the beasts. You don't just go on one site, right? You just, you click around. That's what you're, have to do because the entire thing is about novelty in the first place um and so yeah um so this is just this is not this is not the best or, or this is not the worst this is probably actually the best case scenario is whatever is going on with porn up so i think that's an important context mm-hmm. when we're talking about all these things right so so anything that we're going to talk about makes you want to scream for the next few minutes uh is is not just like an isolated incident or anything like that 
Um, and so there's a lot of court cases going on right now with Pornhub, which is fantastic to see. Um, but there, because of these court cases, for the first time, we're getting a look into what was going on behind the scenes here. Um, and there's been a lot that makes you want to scream. But the stuff that came out just confirmed how much content there was that Pornhub knew was uh, most likely illegal or at least abusive, um, non-consensual. Um, and so the the kind of like the overall headline of that is that for all their talk about how they had a, you know, a robust system to make sure that, you know, child pornography and abusive content and non-consensual videos, all these things were not on there. They only had one person assigned to review the videos, to manually review them. They only reviewed videos if they were flagged 15 plus times, more than 15 times. So if it was flagged 15 times, they wouldn't review it. Yeah. And to give context for the listeners, like when Nicholas Kristof's New York Times essay, The Children of Pornhub, came out, it's basically an entire story of people whose abuse videos, whose rape videos are on Pornhub, had been desperately trying to get them pulled off. And the information you just cited reveals that basically if they weren't flagged 15 times, they weren't being reviewed at all. You're right. So if a child goes on there and... Or they find out a video is on there. If a parent finds out a video their child is on there, if a girlfriend finds out that her boyfriend took a video of her and uploaded it, an ex, whatever, and you go on there and you flag it, nothing happens until 15 more people flag it. So imagine how bad it would have to be for 15 other people mm-hmm. To go, something looks wrong in this video. When people are going to videos with titles like that because there's something wrong. Yes. Right? They're bored with whatever shocking, horrific video they're currently watching. And you need to click on something else. And you're clicking on it. And and you're going, okay, as a porn consumer, I'm uncomfortable. Like, that has to be so bad. So obviously non-consensual. So obviously uh, something illegal and 15 more people need to click on, on uh, flagging it before it gets reviewed. And so then the even worse number was that they had, before they pulled off, uh, it was like 80% of their videos. It was 10 million out of not quite 14 million videos. Um, they had a backlog of 700,000 videos that had been flagged over 15 times. Yeah. And so just to give listeners more context for this, like this is all coming out only because Pornhub is getting sued. And so all of these emails are coming out in discovery and we're finding out in these emails that basically um, Pornhub's attitude uh, towards this stuff was worse than we even thought it was. And and for those who are wondering if, if Pornhub isn't the worst, why are they being targeted specifically? It's because they are the biggest porn company in the world. 
um, like easily the biggest and, and, and an interesting sort of side fact. Um, most Canadians um, who are familiar with this issue will know that they were owned by MindGeek, which is based at a month Montreal recently that they were purchased by the euphemistically named ethical capital partners who are aggressively trying to rebrand Pornhub. They also own red tube, you porn browsers. They own a bunch of, a, a bunch of major porn sites. And when, when you mentioned earlier that Pornhub kind of was the one trying to come off as different porno was trying to do what Hugh Hefner did for Playboy, right? Where, you know, the Playboy bunny became this branding symbol that represented a cool lifestyle. So Pornhub did the same thing. They tried to, you know, like donate to certain charities and get their name, you know, their name out there as sort of a, um, how did, uh, how did capital ethical partners put it? They talked about how, um, adult entertainment is like a fundamental part of the human experience, which is both true and kind of horrifying. Uh, so, so yeah, what- and they would jump in, right? They they tried to be super cooperative about things like working to get meaningful age verification done, um, and that was more so that they could kind of be there with their finger on the lever when it was implemented. But they would join in these public discussions to try to seem like, no, 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 we're just out there, just trying to do our part, be good citizens. Um, and and this stuff just shows that stuff was just uh, that that. It's like the mob boss who owns the town, and if you cross him, he'll kill you. Uh, but also, he built the new playground, so isn't he a great guy? Like that was that was basically what they were trying to do, uh, in a far worse way. And, and they and they were probably um, they they were like you said they they some of the companies you listed or the websites you listed those aren't just porn sites; those are the studios. So they were they were making content themselves like they own a ton of studios um and that's a whole other topic about how that has made life for um the people in the industry even worse um because essentially they pay them not much anymore to make the videos and then they steal their own content for their tube sites um and so they were just a, a they're a racket start to finish um but the implications are also horrifying for anyone, and this includes myself, who's ever consumed pornography, because seven hundred thousand videos. So if 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 it takes fifteen plus flags for a video to make it onto that list, there's basically a zero percent chance that any of those videos are not something illegal. Whether it's because it was stolen content, underage, there's some something is definitely wrong about that content at a fundamental level. Um, 700,000 out of, I think it was 13.5 million was how many videos they had on the site when, when this was going on means that one out of every 19 videos would have been on that list. And I don't know anybody who's ever had any type of porn habit that has watched under 19 videos, which means we have to accept that we as a society who has normalized pornography as people who have uh, made excuses for it in our life have been contributing to the abuse and degradation of other people. Like that is, that is a takeaway we need to have. Not in a way that I want you to like walk away and just start like flogging yourself um, because that does nothing that helps nobody. Um, but just as a way to realize what you're going to be contributing to if you don't deal with this 
And maybe it should fuel you to do even more than just try to not watch these videos and fight back against something. Like there was a time uh, me and a couple of friends were at this restaurant in Florida and we literally were there after like some anti-human trafficking conference. And we went to this uh, Chinese buffet and it was really good. We had a great time. Uh, and then literally a week later, we read a story that the restaurant was shut down because it turns out the entire kitchen staff were trafficking victims. Uh, and we all felt really bad. We had no idea. Um, there was, we were just eating, we go to a restaurant. You just assume that a nice restaurant in your neighborhood where your, where your hotel is, is, is not a front for human trafficking. Um, we found out that it was. And so uh, my brother was with us. And so he immediately just went and looked up and read information on how to tell, like how questions, comments, things to make to staff. If you're ever in establishment, that will be a tip off. If there's people there who are not there of their own free will. Um, and so we just got trained. Like we, we could have just sat there and felt horrible because we gave money to traffickers by eating at their restaurant or you take action and you go, okay, I'm going to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. So this is horrifying. It's like I said, it makes you want to scream at the awfulness that is happening. But my hope is that people sit there doing your anger for a minute and then go, I'm going to be part of the solution. I'm going to fight back. So let's let's scale out for a minute because on the podcast in the last couple of months here, I did one one sort of monologue on how I do think that, uh, and we, you and I have talked about this before as well, that the anti-porn side of the argument has kind of won the public discussion in a lot of ways, that uh, the, the discussion is now no longer on is age verification necessary so much as how would this practically work. Um, I remember when we were doing, doing presentations on porn fueling rape culture, what that's over 10 years ago now. And we started, um, that's that, 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 that argument is pretty standard now. Like I remember going on the radio and debating it and I was this crazy prude, um, even to most libertarian conservatives. And now it's pretty well accepted that like that pornography is shaping the sexual tastes of, uh, of young people, especially young men. And that it's, it's profoundly deforming, um, in, in, in what it actually teaches them. So there's. Like the, the bad news, of course, is things had to get incredibly bad for it to become obvious to libertine people that this is obviously poisonous. On the other side of things, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to suspect that we're going to consistently see legislation put forward or policies advocated for that would not have been in the realm of possibility a decade ago. So there's that. I talked to Rhonda Haas of Covenant Eyes on the podcast just a couple of weeks ago. And he was talking about how you can personally be part of the solution, which is to say, don't look at porn, um, get accountable, try to ensure that all of your, your digital devices have accountability software on them. Covenant Eyes, he says, has 300,000 users now, which is incredibly cool. Um, I think they're a sort of an industry leader in that. You've been doing anti-porn activism for, for at least 10 years, probably longer. You've been to a lot of these conferences. You've heard from a lot of the experts. When you say be part of the solution, I know a lot of people get frustrated because it's like, here's how awful something is. Be part of the solution. Um, but it's sort of digital slacktivism or hashtagging or what have you. What would you actually suggest when it comes to doing something about some like a porn giant like Pornhub or the industry in general? Well, we have a very exciting opportunity in Canada, which is that we actually do have a bill 
that is putting forward meaningful age verification. I believe it's Bill C-210. Um, it has cross-party support. Um, and you can just have, be part of the solution. Like You call your MP. You tell them this matters to you. You tell them that you're an engaged voter. And, and then you tell all your friends. Right? Don't just stop with you. Tell your friends. Annoy your friends. Right, Because this is the thing. Right, People go and they watch Sound of Freedom. And they're like, this is horrible. Uh, but it's also it's still kind of uh, out there problem, right? I'm not, you know, and, and you go, oh, uh, I wish I could rescue children from, you know, wherever. But, you, you know, I'm, I'm here and I'm raising my kids here and, and doing whatever. So maybe I'll donate. Um, but like, as you said, like the, the organization that is perpetuating this the most um, and I mean, if you talk to the guys from Sound of Freedom, they're going to tell you that like pornography is the very much the the underbelly of the entire thing. So their headquarters is in Canada, MindGeek or whatever they're called now. They're based in Montreal, wherever their legal tax shelter um, is. Their their headquarters is in Montreal. Um, the people who are employed doing this stuff are in Montreal, um, and so we're uniquely positioned as. Canadians to help shut this down. And so the meaningful education, like tell, tell your MP, um, and, and then be prepared to have that discussion. Cause there's two arguments people make. There's the people who are just straight up libertarian. Don't believe governments should do anything about anything. Um, and, and this is just a case where, again, like you look at these, you go, this isn't a case of, well, let people do whatever they want. They're not hurting anybody. Literally every click, that you make on a on a, a content like this is is abusing people is funding abuse um so every click that you don't make is doing something it's taking money from the industry and every click you help somebody else not make is taking money from the industry um and so the libertarian argument there kind of doesn't really hold up because there's a direct abuse of people happening here um if we just sit by and let people do whatever they want um and then the other argument is kind of um, the fear that giving the government control over anything, right? We're scared of this free speech. And I mean, through COVID, this, the whole discussion of government power has kind of gone next level. Um, but this is just a case of like, these are our children. And then these are children being abused. Um, and outside of a longer political discussion, I think that our very base responsibility here is to protect children. Um, and and like I said, the that number of seven hundred thousand videos that over fifteen people had to think I'm on a porn site and I feel so uncomfortable I'm going to report it um, means these were horrific and tip of the iceberg um, as well. The tip of the iceberg, and that's the thing. Remember that is the seven hundred thousand is the stuff that was one hundred percent illegal. Pornhub deleted 10 million out of less than 14 million videos, which means that Pornhub was like, these are probably all going to get us in trouble if they start digging. Um, so that's that's what we're facing. That's what you're actually fighting. And so don't get swept up in those other conversations. This is something that just needs to be shut down. So another um, uh, another thing I wanted to pick your brain on because it, it's sort of in the same context is you see right now, I just wrote about this um, earlier, is that the age verification is passed in six American states now. 
And you're seeing a couple of things happen at the same time. Pornhub just got a judge to successfully block the implementation of age verification in Texas. Um, now, the attorney general, the acting attorney general, pardon me, has already applied um, to stay that ruling. And so we'll we'll see what happens. That's sort of sort of happening as we speak. Um, and Texas basically w- uh, asked for a warning label to be put on porn sites in addition to age verification. And the warning label would actually indicate that there are connections between the porn industry and sex trafficking. So they were doing sort of the equivalent of like the a warning on a cigarette pack but on pornography um and honestly the brain the 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 brain science which which we've talked about before would be would be another good thing to highlight because i think that people know when they smoke that they can turn their lungs black they know if they drink too much they can hurt their liver they don't know that when they look at porn they're actually rearranging the like the landscape of their actual brain so they might know that they're looking at it too much they 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 know if 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 they hold any kind of christian views that this is having moral and spiritual implications but they don't know that it's also having physical implications. And with the age verification issue, we actually saw them pull out of a couple of states entirely, which is sort of the definition of win-win. Pornhub is like, it's just not even <laughs> worth bothering here. So nobody in Louisiana or Utah can, can go on Pornhub anymore. But what was most interesting is that one of the Pornhub execs actually said that their traffic dropped by 80% when they implemented age verification. 80%, which is wild. Now, I, I don't know for sure if that means 80% of the people accessing Pornhub were minors, although based on the statistical rates of minors looking at pornography, it wouldn't surprise me. What's your take on those stories? Well, th- I mean, it also, I wouldn't be surprised if it just gave a lot of people, because like we said at the beginning, there is a, there's the discussion around pornography has changed a lot. A lot more people are accepting of the idea that this is not actually good for you. Um, I don't know if you saw, it was really interesting to me. I, 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 uh, saw a clip from Joe Rogan podcast where he was interviewing that guy who wrote that country song. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they're just talking about how porn's not that great. And it was just like a casual discussion and neither of them were making an extremely moral argument about it. And Joe Rogan was saying he had less of a problem with it than the other guy. Um, but the fact that it was like a casual conversation, but like, yeah, you know, porn can kind of destroy people's lives. Some people, yeah, it totally destroys them. Like the conversation that that would have been like a shocking clip five years ago that that conversation was happening and it was kind of a normal thing and whatever. Um, so that conversation has gone mainstream. And so it, it's like, um, like I used to work in an office where there's like 30 people that smoked like a pack a day. Um, and, but there's in winter time, uh, they smoked a lot less because when it's minus 30, <laughs> You just sometimes you're like, I want a cigarette. Ah, I don't really want a cigarette. I, I'm I'm not in the, you know, it's not worth it. Um, and so when you know that pornography isn't actually that good for you, um, like I've talked to guys who, again, they don't have an exceedingly moral reason to not watch pornography, but they know that what it does to them, physiologically, everything, um, it affects their workouts. And so, you know, if they're really trying to like work out for something, they that's enough for them to stop. Uh, watching porn so much because they suddenly have the slightest motivation not to. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if that number is as high as it is. Because also when you go to look at a at a site and there's a, a just one step between the ease of pull up my phone and click, it just gives people that one thing of like, ah, I don't really want to, whatever. And then there's this extra step to get in and you're like, ah, no. Um, I'll go do something else. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's, if that's having a big impact as well. 
What are the chances actually that one of the current ongoing lawsuits takes Pornhub down? Because they're the subject right now of a class action suit um, from women who couldn't get their videos removed. Again, 700,000 flagged videos, probably the tip of the iceberg. Ten, what do you say? 10 million? Yeah, 10 million videos removed. Probably a lot of garbage there. Like it sounds kind of like I'm glad they took them down. I'm glad nobody can watch them. Um, also probably destroying a lot of evidence. Um, so I was like conflicted when I heard that. I'm like, good, right? Like less porn on the internet is an objectively good thing. On the other hand, I'm like, why did they get rid of them? It's probably because there was a lot of incriminating stuff there that would reflect very badly on, on their company. So where, where do you think that this, this thing is heading? Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a legal expert on this by any means. Um, I think that, and I mean, I, I think it won't, they won't go down completely, as a company until the whole thing goes down. Um, because like I said, they, they own so much, they can shape shift. They're trying to do it on the back end. They can do it on the consumer side. They own the studios, the, the everything. Um, and, and these are just, these are bad people uh, who just want to make tons of money off of the lives of other people. Um, but I, I, it is, it is having an impact. Um, and I was, I was chatting with someone the other day who was telling me about information they have uh, about how the industry is worried about where things are going for the first time in forever. And I remember hearing that as far as far back as 2019, mm. um, that the industry inside the industry, they were starting to get pretty worried. And that was before the success of the trafficking hub campaign. Um, and so they're worried it's all going to go down. I mean, the people who are scurrying out are obviously afraid that things will, will get worse. Um, I would suspect that the, the best thing that could happen is that some of these people finally do go to jail. Um, and, you know, people don't like doing things that send them to jail. So my hope would be that that just, you know, dissuade some people who are in the industry to just, you know, go find something else horrible to do with their time. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I think, I think there will come a day. I'm, I'm totally convinced that there can come a day where pornography is not completely gone, but that instead of like, we've, we've been talking about the numbers of how many people look at pornography, you know, for the last 10 years. And it's, it's always in the 90, 80% of people who've been exposed to it. And the amount of people who are watching on a regular basis is extremely high. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a proportionate drop in 10, 15 years that is similar to what we've seen with cigarettes from, I mean, when I, when I was a kid, you go to pizza hut and they say smoking or non-smoking and you just sit, you sit, your table's here and their table's there and they're smoking and you're not. And, like that was, that was normal. And you say someone to that, who's like 20 years old today and they look at you like you're crazy. Um, I remember someone, uh, I don't remember when you could smoke on a plane, but I think the rule was you had to ask the three closest people to you if they minded before you smoked in this small tube. I do. I do remember there being ashtrays on planes. I don't remember. I don't, I don't ever remember the smoking, but I flew on a couple of planes old enough to still have the ashtrays in them. <laughs> yeah. Um, in like the armrest. And so, Yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, now, now it's illegal for like anyone whose job is in their car to like smoke in your car by yourself. Right. And, and again, and everyone knows smoking isn't good for you. That's because that's only because you have to pull your mask down though. <laughs> the amount of people that have smoked, it's, it's way, way down. And so I would not be surprised to see 
um, a similar drop in the use of pornography within a generation. So there's one more thing I wanted to to take a look at because I agree with all of that. I'm actually oddly considering how sort of soul destroying it is to even read about pornography and write about it. And it's just sort of a terrible subject. I think you're the one who said that it's poisonous. You can't handle it in any way, shape or form, even fighting against it without having it affect you in some way. But the one, the only thing that gives me pause and the only thing that sort of puts an asterisk on my, on my optimism at all is, um, only fans and these, these new sites coming out where it's sort of like the do it yourself thing, where they largely cut out the pimps and the studios and sort of the massive predatory porn giants like Pornhub. And so for, for listeners who are living under an incredibly blessed rock, OnlyFans is sort of this uh, sort of like, yeah, it's, it's basically like do it yourself. You're the one who was in control of it. And it's basically a massive social media site for budding porn stars. Um, some people don't, like, you know, do any nudity or anything like that. Some of them, that's what the specialty is. They're filming themselves. They're putting it online and they have paying subscribers. It's like Substack for smut. Um, and so that's kind of how that works. But there's a million girls on OnlyFans right now. Um, just from the US, um, like just American girls who were going into that. And yeah, they're too young to realize what the long-term implications of this are. There's already sort of anonymous Reddit testimonies floating around where girls are like, my kids, you know, are so ashamed of me. Like who could have ever predicted this? I'm like, well, everybody, um, you know, like this is not, this is not difficult, but it's interesting to watch that unfold simply because, a lot of the policy arguments that are made against Pornhub and a lot of the porn giants and the studios, um, the, the, the arguments that are sort of agreed upon by the Venn diagram of Mormons, radical feminists, you know, Protestants and Catholics, um, don't apply to only fans in the same way. Um, which is why I think it's important to make the argument against all porn, not just abusive porn. Like porn is, is objectifying inherently. That's the way our minds work, right? There's the Harvard studies where the guy's looking at a naked woman he doesn't know, and the part of his brain that indicates tool use lights up, right? Like, it's it's objectifying in its nature. Um, but how do you think that unfolds? Because I, I do see a hiccup there where you could get legislation targeting some of these big companies, but it, it would be a lot harder to go after a group like OnlyFans from a policy perspective. Yeah, um, and and the thing about OnlyFans again, like abusers abuse. Um, the guy, I believe, it just came out the other day that the guy who owns OnlyFans makes like a million dollars a day. Oh yeah, he's a very That's rich a lot pervert. of money. Um, and and he's obviously not the only person making money there. So there there's a lot of money to be made. Um, and you're seeing people. There's been a lot of mainstream so-called porn stars who moved over to OnlyFans, and so they have the money. They're doing the full budgeted production, whatever, um, and they're getting other people involved. And so it's going to turn into mini studios, right? Instead of just the whatever else you want to call it, the straight to consumer model. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're going to end up with channels and other things that are, are a lot bigger. I just going to kind of end up being like a, its own porn platform. It, it's kind of like with YouTube, how it went from uh, at first it was just people uploading their own home videos. And then you get these people doing it more professionally. And then you end up with now it's just like another TV channel, right? In these massive million dollar productions. And it just happens to be on YouTube. Um, and so I would imagine that OnlyFans goes in that direction. So that'll that'll be another challenge, 
But I think that's where it's the multifaceted thing of we fight the the people like Pornhub on one side and we try to get that legislation passed. Um, and then on the other hand, we we keep on going into schools and educating people. And uh, I, I believe you've had the same experience as me, which is talking to students. They are extremely receptive to mm-hmm. the truth about what pornography is doing to them. Um, and they don't want that. Like I always said, like whenever I talk to high school students, I'd be like, nobody wants to come into school and be like, yo, dudes, I just, I watched a screen, these girls, like hours this weekend. I'm so cool. Uh, I no. developed some serious neurological attachments to my computer screen this weekend. Um, that's not what people want out of life. Except that they, except that they can't articulate it that way. I find it's interesting because when, when you give talks and I've done a couple of thousand high school students so far this year, and I have more this fall yet, um, they don't, they're, they're, they're aware that something's happening to them, but they can't articulate it. Like I was just speaking at a high school, um, and I, they gave me grades eight through 12, I believe. And like this, these a couple of guys in grade 12 come up and these are like the cool kids, right? Wearing like the designer clothes and the big chains. And you can tell that they definitely, you know, you know they're teenage boys, they're peacocking and they're annoying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, but like the one guy is just like, he's got tears like rolling down his face. He's like, you've just explained why my life is the way that it is. This talk changed my life. Porn is ruining us. Like, and this is, there's like kids flowing past us out of the auditorium it is not easy uh, for any male listening to the show, um, as you all know, to be a kid in grade 12 and willing to be that vulnerable in public, especially not crying. I can imagine crying in grade 12 in front of other guys. That's how devastating porn is to like an entire generation. And I think you're right. They just need somebody to give them the words to describe their lived experience since they were six. Yeah, massively. And so I, that's why I have I've always had a tremendous amount of hope about fighting the porn industry and and I know for people who started fighting this decades ago or even five, six years before us, because we really caught it at the beginning of when the conversation was changing. Like our entire uh, experience in this movement has been as much as the topic is devastating, but watching what's actually unfolded has been borderline uplifting. Um, there's people who are fighting it. The trajectory has definitely been in the right direction. The trajectory has, yeah. And it's kind of been that we we're, we were right at the beginning when it was kind of just taken off. And so there's people who were in this, you know, 10, 15 years before us, and they are a lot more maybe jaded. Uh, And I've had those conversations with people who are run bigger organizations than we've ever been involved in. Um, And they're kind of like, you know, you do this work, but I don't expect anything to actually change. Wouldn't wouldn't that be a lot Um, of the people who like pretty much won the porn wars in the 1980s and were getting, you know, porn restricted to like CD shops outside of town. And then the internet happened and it eliminated everything they've been doing. This would be more like the people who were, who are fighting the online pornography when nobody was admitting that it was a problem. Right. Like, uh, I mean, like, even you look at like a Ronda Haas and I'm so I'm so glad he has stayed in the fight this whole time. But they were doing this for so long before it became acceptable. Uh, Definitely. They were doing this in the Christian world for I don't know how long before churches finally would let you say the P word uh, in, in church, right? Like you would try to talk about covenant eyes and it's like, no, 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 no. We, we don't talk about that here. And so I'm, I'm so glad that they've stuck with it and other people like that. But I found it interesting in my conversation with people, just how some of them just had really low expectations for where this could go. And I'm like, well, just, I always said, look at history, slavery, 
you know, child labor. These are things that people shrugged and 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 were so deeply tied into every local economy. The the idea of of ending it was unthinkable, and yet here we are. So I I think again, I don't think we'll you'll you'll never eradicate humans using other humans for profit. They always find another way. Um, but the ability to not make it socially acceptable, like we've done with with cigarettes, um, is 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 obvious to me. Final question. I know you've written a book. You've done tons of anti-porn work. Maybe just direct all of the listeners to where they can find that and other aspects of your work. Um, yeah, the biggest thing is I did. I wrote a children's book and I wrote it. Uh, it's just about this. This is one of the best things we can do to keep our kids out of uh, the entanglements of pornography is just speak to their identity um, and help them know who they are and that there's nothing they can do where that can be done to them that decreases their value, because that's where every conversation I've ever had with anybody uh, has ever gone. It goes back to who you are and your value. Um, and if you don't think that you're valuable, then it doesn't matter what you do. If you don't think that other people are valuable, then what is it? any those 700,000 videos don't matter. Um, and that really is what happens with pornography. And so you can find that at thekingsdaughter.ca or on Amazon. Um, and that has been a lot of where I'm I'm pushing my time into those resources to to help our kids. Because my biggest passion right now is is getting to those kids, um, the seven eight year olds, with the message of of their identity, of their value. Um, of like my eldest is nine, and this is the age where kids start being exposed to to things. And uh, it happened for the first time the other day where um, she ended up picking up a, a device attached to the internet and just using it uh, without asking. And she didn't end up on anything bad. Um, she was just trying to find like a story that she was listening to or something. But we had a serious talk and it was really cool. And we talked about pornography and addiction and all these things. And as long as she's willing to have those conversations with me, that's everything because it was not something you could talk about when I was that age. Um, and that's not saying that my parents were particularly bad at anything. It was just, it wasn't a thing people talked about. Um, so, you know, I discovered the stuff and I dealt with it in secret until it nearly destroyed me. Um, and so I just want to have those conversations and help other parents have those conversations. And you could still find all the resources we built at strengthofight.ca um, in terms of finding freedom and, and all of that. And we're in a constant battle with somebody who's trying to shut down that website. So hopefully whatever day you are watching this, <laughs> it's working uh, because we've had to clean it up multiple times in the last couple of years, um, especially when like it went nuts during COVID. Our website traffic for article, and, th and this is where I go, like people know they need help. Our web traffic for articles for people trying to get out of pornography went about times 10 during COVID and people were just sitting at home. And so people know they need help, but help is available. And the biggest thing to me is, is when you see these stories and this stuff that it makes you mad, like fight back, like do something. And, and that can be as little as start talking to your friends about this stuff because it's when we say these things out loud, they lose their power, which on like, that's the number one way to not watch pornography. Say the words, I want to watch pornography and kind of you, you're going to feel stupid. Um, same way of, I mean, I guess if I said to myself, you know, I want to watch three hours of one TV show and 20 minute increments all in a row, 
that would also feel like a huge waste of time. I'd go do something else with my life. So we just talk about these things and uh, they I feel like I feel like Covenant Eyes is is great for that because like there's it's so easy to go down like a YouTube rabbit hole on a subject you're interested in. And even if what you're watching isn't bad, you still feel dumb if your accountability part, your <laughs> oh. buddy's like, what were you doing at three in the morning watching some guys build a fort? You know, <laughs> it's like it's, it's, it's not bad. You just feel like an idiot, you know? Oh, yeah. I've, I've had this conversation with some people and I, I think it's totally appropriate. I mean, that's a whole other episode to talk about accountability, but I think like if I see a friend of mine just wasting hours of their time, they're not doing well. Right. If you're just, if I'm like, yeah, you're up all night watching whatever it is. Yeah. Like primitive shed building. Um, Which is a pretty cool rabbit hole but, just to be clear. It is, but you know, five hours in the middle of the night, you go, Hey, what's going on, man? What's, why aren't you sleeping? Um, and those, that's the type of relationships that keep us on the, uh, on the straight and narrow and healthy. So I think that's totally appropriate. Well, thanks a million for coming on, Josh. <laughs> for sure. Ladies and gentlemen, that was my conversation with Josh Gilman. If you want to subscribe to get more content like this delivered to you, head over to lifesitenews.com. Click on the podcast tab. You can find our shows there. You can also find our podcast wherever you get your content. Thanks for listening. And we hope you'll join us again next week.